Hello and shalom, everybody. My name is Julia Jassy, and you are listening to Nice Jewish Girls, brought to you by Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Today, we are speaking with Sabrina Miller, a political writer and reporter. Coming off of the conversation we had last week with Michal Cohen, Sabrina Miller is the perfect guest to show the global interconnectedness of this experience of anti-Semitism on college campuses. As a student at the University of Bristol in the UK, Miller was excited to be a student and have a wonderful school experience. Instead, she began to experience anti-Semitism beyond anything she could have imagined, not just by a peer or a classmate, but by her professor. Her story is not just one of immense resonance to many college students around the world today, but it is truly one of inspiration, of finding strength in the face of the most dreadful abuse. As you'll hear at the time of the recording of this conversation, Professor Miller's status was in limbo. But I am very excited to share that as of today, he has been fired by the University of Bristol. So that is in large part because of the work of activists like Sabrina. Way to go, Sabrina. In this conversation, I want to ask her what it's like to fear for your safety because you're a Jewish identity, of course. But more than that even, I want to ask Sabrina how to find strength in the face of an attack on your identity. I want to ask her how optimism and even humor can give you strength in the darkest of times. I am so excited for you guys to meet her. Let's do this thing. Sabrina Miller is a political writer and reporter at Guido Fox. She also works as a freelance journalist and has written for The Telegraph, The Times, The Independent, HuffPost UK, The Jewish Chronicle, Mail Plus, and has appeared on GB News. She graduated with a degree in English from the University of Bristol, and as a student, she vehemently campaigned on the issue of anti-Semitism. Sabrina, it is so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to meet you too. I'm really excited. Me too. Let's get right into it as usual. Can you begin by telling us a bit about where you're from? Yeah, so I am from London, well, Hertfordshire technically, Mm -hmm. Um, and I went to university in Bristol, so I went over there for a bit and now I'm back and I've actually just moved to an area called West Hampstead, uh, which is sort of slightly more central, but still Northwest London, which is where most, a lot of British Jews live. You know, I'm, I'm from Long Island, New York, as a regular listener might know, and there's an area on Long Island called West Hempstead, so not, not too different. I know, um, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little, a little bit about your experience growing up and your Jewish identity in your life? My Jewish identity has always been such an important aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Both my parents sort of raised me in modern Orthodox tradition, um, went to shul once a week, kept kosher, and then... I actually lived in Canada for two years where I went to a Jewish school. Wow. Yeah, fun. Um, yeah. It was called Associated <laughs> and then came back and I went to a Jewish secondary school and that's where, that sort of reinforced a lot of my Jewish education. Um, I went on this like this thing called Tor. I don't know if you have it in the US. It's a bit like Birthright, um, but not really. It's for a lot of people after their GCSEs, which is an important exam um for British people and after that a lot of Jews go to Israel and that was sort of quite a formative part of my Jewish Zionist identity um and so yeah it's always been a key part of who I am and sort of at every stage of my life um Judaism has been there and your college experience was pretty intense and I really want to get into that can you tell us a little bit about your experience with anti-semitism in college yeah, so um, I went to the University of Bristol, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. and the, the, 
sort of every every year there was um, a different anti-Semitic incident that, that sort of we ended up dealing with and sort of one key one that's sort of ongoing. Um, but I was, I'm very involved in my Jewish community. Um, so I was a big part of my, the Bristol's Jewish society. I was their campaigns officer in my second year, um, and sort of very involved in my first year and third year as well. And so sort of was always right in the middle of a lot of these issues. Uh, so in my first year, for instance, there was, we had these things called student union officers. I don't know sort of American equivalents. So apologies if I'm sort of explaining things that you're already quite familiar with. Um, no, the, but, the, the dynamic in America is actually super different. Um, so okay. I think this is really helpful. Thank you so much. So there are these student union positions. So they're essentially elected students who represent um, other students. Mm-hmm. And the BME officer, which is the Black Minority Ethnic Officer, um, had told a Jewish student to be like Israel and cease to exist. Um, in my I think first second year it sort of overlapped and then he was elected into this role and this sort of at the time well that at the time I thought was going to be the big anti-semitic incident I had to deal with little did I know um, but sort of that caused a lot of problems and sort of lack of cohesion and there was a lot of tension there um, and bad relations with the student union which is always unpleasant because you know as, as, a, as a student group you want to have a, a good relationship with the student union so I spent a lot of time sort of speaking to the individual who'd made the remark and trying to um, sort of work out an appropriate course of action, convince them that they were wrong. That was that's it. that was a lot of wasted time. <laughs> um, that was hours of time I'll never get back. No, it's fine. Um, whatever. So that was that was sort of my first year. And there was a few other instances here and there. You know, people inviting anti-Semitic speakers. The classic. I don't know if this is. Cla- it was. It felt very classic. And then in my um, in my it started sort of in my first year, and it's still ongoing. So. Apologies if sort of my time ends a bit off. It feels like it's literally been a third of my life at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's this lecturer at the University of Bristol called David Miller, we're not related, um, <laughs> who did a... Unfortunate name, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Literally, the, the Miller problems at Bristol University just do not stop. And um, so he he start, he was giving this lecture in this module called, called the Harms Against the Powerful module, where he essentially argued um that zionism and british jury by connection um caused islamophobia in the uk um and he used these quite unique conspiratorial diagrams and webs to sort of point essentially israel was at the top the british and conservative the labor and conservative party which are the two major parties in the uk were at the bottom and then various jewish organizations were sort of manipulating and influencing using their power and money and uh, whatever we've heard this before and um, so that was his sort of key lecture um and so naturally a few jewish students in his class sort of anonymously came forward and through the jsoc made complaints um, but that died down after a year, year and a half. No one really talked about it and it sort of lost public attention. Mm-hmm. And then this same lecturer um, sort of popped back up in February 2021. Um, and he was giving, I can't remember for whom, but was in this Zoom seminar thing where he sort of doubled down on his previous statements and sort of accused I'm not sure exactly the timeline, but at various points have accused Bristol JSOC of being a pawn of the of Israel, mm-hmm. um, has said Zionism is the root of all evil or sentiments similar, um, and just sort of continues to double down on these comments and sort of that reinvigorated uh, a lot of the problems and a lot of the anger. And as someone that had been dealing with him for that point, like a year, 
I sort of was like, enough is enough. I'm just going to start a petition and be as loud as I possibly can for the next six months um, before I graduate. And so I started the petition, which did ridiculously well. And unfortunately, that um, perked the interests of this other news magazine called Electronic Intifada, Mm -hmm. who sent me um, quite a scary email. I think it was one Wednesday night. I was sort of sitting, I think I was watching Drag Race or something with my flatmates. Mm -hmm. And then I sort of got this email from Aswin Stanley saying, request for comment in the article is going to be out at 9 a.m. tomorrow. And it was like 10 p.m. the day before and I was like well that seems a bit rude doesn't it because (laughs) I was journalistic integrity over there no (laughs) no and then so I was like frantically like calling lawyers not lawyer like I was just like so UJS which is the Union of Jewish Students they sort of help um Jewish students whenever they need it so I just I was like I know it's 10 p.m I know you're asleep but please pick up the phone I didn't know what to do so a lot of panic there um, and then, so I decided not to comment in the end, so I just sort of ignored the email. Um, and then the guy didn't publish the article until 6pm, which just meant that I was, like, refreshing Twitter <laughs> aggressively <laughs> for 12 hours. I think that was, he really got into my head there, and that was quite stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the article came out, and that sort of prompted quite a lot of anti-Semitic abuse online. Um, and I've, I'd received a bit of anti-Semitic abuse before, um, but uh, this really boosted my profile for, sometimes for good reasons, but largely in that circumstance for the worse. Um, and I got, you know, thousands of comments um, from electronic intifada accounts or stan accounts or whatever you want to call them um and sort of it died down after so i'm really taking you through the beginning of end of this but it started to die down a bit and then ali who is the i didn't know this at the time the editor-in-chief of the electronic intifada based in america started randomly tagging me in sort of videos or quote tweeting me for no reason um sort of two or three weeks after the initial article which just sort of meant there was an and he has i can't remember exactly but it's like 200,000 followers, something stupid like that. And this just obviously every time he tagged my name in it, I'd sort of get like 200 notifications like, oh, Ali, not again, just leave me alone. Um, And sort of that prompted some of the worst abuse. Like people found me on Instagram um, and made some very unpleasant comments about my nose, but we don't need to go into that. (laughs) And then, um, you know, death threats. um, Yeah, just like lots of stuff. And it was just sort of, it was fine at the beginning, but the length of time that it went on for and just the amount of people was quite overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, it was also what was overwhelming was the support of the Jewish community, you know, from uh, people in Britain, people from America, whoever it was, you know, every time I click on a, an Azawin Stanley or Ali tweet about me, the first 100, com- no, the first like 20 comments would be from people backing me and then the other like 500 would be people calling me, whatever. But the, the, the first 20 were, you know, great. Um, wow. um so that was sort of that and then an update on the situation it's still ongoing so 200 no 180 days or something like that since we made the first complaint uh, and there's been an investigation but no conclusion has been reached the university's done nothing um all throughout this I was a student um I literally graduated in June and this all started in February 2021 and I've never received an email from the university about it um or from anyone other than from Jewish organizations and the SU to be fair because we our relations with them got better and then they've been really nice since the whole uh BME incident um so but you know from university or of anyone of anyone within the university institution has said nothing 
Um, and today the Board of Deputies, which is like a Jewish British community organization, wrote a letter about David Miller sort of literally today because it's still ongoing. Wow. Um, so I don't really know what the, there's no update with that. He's actually re, he's allowed to continue teaching the module that got him into the initial trouble um, despite being under investigation. So make of that what you will when it comes to the university and their approach to anti-Semitism. But yeah, that was my university experience. I mean, that story is incredible and it's awful. And I think that if you told that story 10 years ago, as an American, I'd be totally shocked because that Mm -hmm. wasn't um, something that we really saw frequently. But increasingly now we see these stories of anti-Semitism on college campuses being this overwhelming issue that began in the UK um, and that the warning wasn't really heeded well by the rest of the world because now it's, it's bubbling up everywhere. And a lot of the time, the most violent threats, the most extreme examples of anti-Semitism are fired toward young women. Um, mm. I think that young Jewish women oftentimes receive the brunt of the anti-Semitic rhetoric that we are seeing thrown around. So your experience as a young Jewish woman on campus and other friends similar to you in similar mm. positions, did you find that they experienced the brunt of it? Yeah, 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 100%. I was going to say, like, a lot of the anti-Semitic abuse I received was sort of this fun mix of anti-Semitism and misogyny. Mm-hmm. Um, like, often focused on my appearance or, like, they were, like, were, like, like sex, like, not sex, like, they were using sexual terminology mm-hmm. or, um, and the sexist, to be fair, um, and sort of just really nasty, aggressive. It's hard. I don't want to speculate too much about this because... I've got sort of confirmation bias on this, but um, Ali and Azza, when standing for me, electronic intifada, have targeted sort of persistently four or five British Jewish women um, in the similar way that they've targeted me. Now, they may also target Jewish men like this, but there are like five of us that get constant, like every, so I'm still getting tagged in this random nonsense from Ali. Um, and there's like three or four like amazing women. I like, I don't know if they want to be, like it, they're, they're quite public figures, like Ella Rose, Izzy Lenga. They're like these really big um, Jewish women in the community who also, they were very involved in the Labour Party and then spoke out against the anti-Semitism within the Labour Party and the amount of abuse they received is just sort of like mind-blowing um and sort of they're constantly still attacked by Azra and Ali so there's definitely these like loud proud Jewish women um in the British Jewish community that I interact with that get huge amounts of abuse but then equally the Jewish women that I interact with are quite outspoken like it just so happens that three of the people at the forefront of this David Miller campaign were all women um uh, so like me and my two families (laughs) It's quite the house. You um, guys so, are an active, active, active. Yeah, it, it kind of helped with the, um, when when the abuse was happening, like we were all kind of sitting, you know, we were all doing it together. My, I don't know if this, all quite, well, my, my flatmate were, I thought this was hysterical. I don't know if this is the sort of humor you find funny, but my flatmates got me a mug with all of their, like all of the funniest insults on it. And we were just sort of enjoying, it That's was amazing. funny. Like it That's was like really funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we, and we like, that was a whole, they got that to make me feel better about the situation. <laughs> and it was so, like when you got Jackie Walker on a mug, sorry, Jackie Walker's like this, yeah. Yeah, this woman, whatever. When you got her like face on a mug, like, this is funny. Um, <laughs> but anyway, no. So and like, so I just happened like I know a lot of strong Jewish women, and therefore they get abused. But yeah. you know, so that as much power to those women, and maybe a, a, a 
maybe evidence of the important work they're doing as much as sort of the misogynistic element of it, which is, you know, horrible people like to target women. So there's two, two, two sides to that coin. Part of what you're saying that you coped with humor, I think that was really your, your online persona at the time. Because I remember when this story first came out in the U.S., the story of David Miller made a big splash across the pond. We nice. watched this and realized how bad things could get and how we were heading in that direction as well. And you became mm-hmm. really the face of it because of the electronic Antifada story. You were someone who we looked to and you constantly had a reaction of so much strength and so much humor. And I remember one story in, in particular when they had picked on a TikTok dance that you were doing. And you kind of <laughs> that was fun the dumbest that. thing. It, it was. was the it was thing. ridiculous. And I think a lot of people would have been, you know what, I'm done with social media. I'm going to shut it down. And you didn't do that. You thought it was hilarious. And you told us that. And that reaction had so mm. much strength. Um, so t- how did you respond with such humor in the face of something so upsetting? I think I'm quite impulsive. Like mm-hmm. if I find something remotely funny about a situation, I can't, I'm a bit addicted to Twitter. That is a separate problem in itself. Oh, and like, wow. I found it quite hard not to respond. Um, and some of these people, I find them quite laughable, not that intimidating mm-hmm. generally. Um, I mean, if I was in a room with them, I'd probably run, but like in terms of on Twitter, none of these people are real and you could sort of say or do anything. And there are, you know, if if there are essentially no consequences to like poking the bear because, you know, Ali lives in, I think America, like, you know, he's nowhere near me. Um, so when they do these people, I just, I think they're so easy to make fun of. Like it was literally on my bucket list. And maybe I regret this now, but it was on my bucket (laughs) list to get written about in the electronic intifada because I just thought from the off, they are just like a ridiculous organization who target loud people that fight against anti-Semitism. So I was like, that is a marker that you've made it in the um, fight against anti-Semitism if they write about you and think you're enough of a problem. And then when they started like going onto my TikToks where, you know, my TikTok isn't, well, was barely political it was me dancing trends with my flatmates and you know whatnot and for them to sort of take a dance and be like this is Sabrina celebrating like a dance about Christmas it was a Christmas dance and being like this is Sabrina celebrating the arrest of these Palestinian who are like Palestinian children or whatever oh, God. um so and, yeah, that, basically that was so Ali's tweet that really like picked up steam was he like quote tweeted the TikTok dance that I posted and said real life footage of Sabrina celebrating the deaths of these Palestinian children or whatever oh, um which I thought was a bit unnecessary and so you could say that but, for sure <laughs> um so I, I I can't respond being like no that's not true because <laughs> that's just I, I there's no other way to respond than to just take light like make it light um and just poke, like show the ridiculousness of their arguments mm-hmm. um I found um so that was sort of my just instinct um and it was quite easy to do because they are parodies of what anti-semitism looks like like modern anti-semitism I found it quite easy to make light of it but you know I yeah it was complicated, but that was just sort of my in- instinctual response. And I was very impulsive and I tweeted things and they started doing well. So I continued to make fun of it. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's really interesting to me because I think that humor has always been a really prevalent coping mechanism in <laughs> Jewish culture. Yeah. Um, so much of t- 
today's brand of dry humor is influenced by Jewish comedy because mm-hmm. what are we going to do? We're going to cry and we're going <laughs> to laugh, so it's better to laugh. And it seems like right. you really took that legacy and made it into something. Mm. Oh, I, don't think, I, I don't think I was necessarily doing it consciously, um, like drawing on, you know, Jewish legacy of... I mean, there were so many great Jewish performers and comedians and whatever, but it, this wasn't like some predetermined strategic plan. Whenever I got frustrated at a situation, I was like, right, I will tweet something funny um, or I will try and make light of this. Um, that that was just sort of uh, what I, I just thought it was my way to sort of one up them and show that they weren't bothering me and to make light of something that was that they like to show how ridiculous the accusations were and how obviously anti-Semitism was. And that to me was sort of the best strategy to do that. And then, you know, it, it doing well on Twitter was a bonus. <laughs> yeah. And now that you are out of college, you're going into the professional world, you're, you're mm. writing about politics and you're making a name for yourself beyond your experience of just anti-Semitism. Mm. How has this influenced the way that you view yourself in the, the context of the world as a Jewish woman? Do you see your path as different now because of what you faced? Mm. I think this situation has taught me a lot about myself um, and has given me actually like quite surprisingly, you know, you've got to find every silver lining to the cloud and has given me a lot of opportunities um, online to write things and to sort of uh, express myself and be an outspoken representative of the Jewish community and the student Jewish community. So in that ways, it was um, obviously it was an awful thing, but in that ways, it was, you know, an, a a formative part of my life so I'm you know in, in those ways I'm grateful that it happened and what I learned from it um though at the same time I don't want to sort of be defined by this incident I want to you know go on and do other things and not sort of just like only as important as it is to talk about anti-semitism I want to be able to talk about lots of things and and each of those things to be given credibility um but no this was like incredibly significant part of my life and it and and, you know, on it. and I've learned a lot about, like, my ability to cope with things. Yeah, I mean, that really brings us to our last question, which is something mm-hmm. that we like to conclude with every episode here on Nice Jewish Girls. We want this show to give everyone, but in particularly young Jewish women listening to this, access to mentors that they probably will never get a chance to meet who are in fields they might want to go to or are living through experiences they might face in their future. Um, so... Ending with that in mind, what's one piece of advice you want to give to the people listening to this about how to navigate the world as a strong Jewish woman? I'd say never be embarrassed or scared by your Jewish identity. It's such a fundamental part of my life and it's also taught me so much and it's led to so many brilliant opportunities. You know, aside from the anti-Semitism, um, has led to so many um, brilliant opportunities, um, given me the most amazing community both in the UK and across the pond um and so just just always be proud and obviously there are scary situations but as long as you know you're actually safe never be intimidated um never back down you know be strong in your opinions especially when that's sort of rooted in protecting your Jewish identity and your Judaism Sabrina Miller, it has been such an honor speaking with you today. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us. And I wish you all of the best moving forward into your career. For so many years, the British Jewish community sounded the alarm, warning the world of the danger of the sentiments of anti-Semitism growing rapidly on campus. And honestly, we did not do a great job listening. 
Sabrina Miller's story echoes true for so many students in the United States and around the world, myself included. It is so easy to hear these stories and to be totally demoralized. I was speaking to one of my rabbis on campus about this once, and I was explaining to her the toll that this fight against anti-Semitism was taking upon myself and my peers. And I remember she stopped me and she said, I am going to challenge you to reframe the way that you say this. As a people, we are not defined by our collective persecution. We are defined instead by our collective resilience. And this is how we have survived for 3,000 years. And she's totally right. Part of what makes Jewish culture so beautiful is its impossible survival. It's this legacy we're privileged to be a part of, and it's something that I'm so proud to be proud of. It's something we can't forget among, well, all of this. And this, my friends, is where we'll leave you for today's episode of Nice Jewish Girls. Hopefully a bit smarter and a bit more inspired. Please share your thoughts with us at podcast at jewishunpack.com. And don't forget to join us next week when we'll be continuing this conversation with Rachel Azaria, Knesset member and feminist advocate. Nice Jewish Girls is a production of Unpacked, a division of Open Door Media. Rivki Stern is our producer, and I am your host, Julia Dassey. Check out jewishunpacked.com for everything Unpacked related, and subscribe to our other podcasts. And of course, follow Unpacked on all of the social media places. Just look for at Jewish Unpacked. Talk to you later, ladies.